0: her suit and stumbled back to her feet. "'Everything okay?' Bethany shouted. Lauren stuck up her thumbs. Ninety-nine days down, one to go!' she shouted. Lauren and Bethany's home for the night was a metal container painted in a high-visibility shade of orange. It was the kind of container you'd normally expect to pass on the motorway mounted on the back of an articulated truck. There was a radio mast and a shattered flagpole lashed to the roof. The girls had beaten the darkness. The sun's distant face was already touching the horizon, and the light it sent through the mist of falling snow gave the whole landscape a powdery yellow hue. The girls were too exhausted to appreciate its beauty. All they cared about was getting warm. It took a few minutes to dig out the snow from around the two metal doors that formed one end of the container. Once they are open, Lauren dragged the two sleds inside while Bethany searched along a wooden shelf until she found a gas lamp. Lauren closed the metal doors, creating a boom that would have been deafening if the girls' ears hadn't been shielded by their outdoor clothes. We've got even less fuel tonight, Lauren shouted as the lamp erupted in an unsteady blue glow. She looked at the single bottle of gas as she peeled off her goggles, and outermost set of gloves. Her hands were freezing, but it was impossible to manipulate anything with three sets of gloves on. On the first night of their week in the Alaskan wilderness, the girls had found two large bottles of gas in their shelter they heated the room until it was toasty, cooked lavishly, and warmed up water to wash with. The fun ended abruptly when the gas ran out in the middle of the night and the indoor temperature rapidly dropped back below freezing. After this harsh lesson, the girls took pains to ration their energy supply. Bethany fixed a hose from the gas bottle to a small heater and lit just one of its three chambers. This would slowly bring the temperature inside their container above freezing. Until it did, the girls would keep as many of their outdoor clothes on as the task at hand allowed. They spent the next few minutes rummaging through the supplies that had been left for them. There were plenty of high-energy food, such as tinned meats, flapjacks, instant noodles, chocolate bars and glucose powder. They also found their mission briefings, clean underwear, fresh boot liners and floor mats. Combined with the pots, utensils and sleeping bags packed in their sleds, it would be enough to make the 19 hours until the sun returned reasonably comfortable. Once the girls had ensured that they had all the basics, Lauren couldn't help wondering what was under the tarpaulin at the back of the container. That's got to be something to do with our mission for tomorrow, Bethany said. They stepped across and dragged the tarp off a giant cardboard box. It was over two metres long and almost up to Lauren's shoulders. Scraping at the layer of frost over the cardboard revealed a Yamaha logo and an outline drawing of a snowmobile. Cool, Bethany said. Don't think my legs could handle another day trudging through that snow. Have you ever driven one? Lauren asked. Nah, Bethany said, shaking her head excitedly. But it can't be much different from the quad bikes we drove last summer at the hostel. Let's open our briefings and work out what we've got to do tomorrow. We'd better take our temperatures and radio base camp first, Lauren said. There was a radio set already linked up to the aerial on the roof. Its battery was cold and it took several seconds for the orange frequency display on the front panel to light up. While they waited, the girls took turns measuring their body temperatures with a small plastic strip that you tucked under your armpit. The indicator lit up between the 35 and 36 degree marks on both of them. It meant the girls were running slightly below normal body temperature, which is exactly what you'd expect for two people who had just spent several hours in extreme cold. Another hour would have been enough for them to develop early symptoms of hypothermia. Lauren grabbed the microphone and keyed up. This is Unit 3 calling Instructor Large, over. Instructor Large receiving. Greetings, my little sugar plums. It was reassuring hearing a human voice other than Bethany's for the first time in twenty-four hours, even if it was that of Mr Large, Cherub's head training instructor. Large was a nasty piece of work. Pushing kids through tough training courses wasn't just part of his job. He actually enjoyed making them suffer. Just reporting in to say that everything is fine with me in Unit 4, Lauren said, over. Why aren't you using the coded frequency, over? Mr Large asked angrily. Lauren realised her instructor was right and hurriedly flipped the scramble switch on the front of the receiver. Oh, sorry, over. You will be tomorrow morning when I get my hands on you, Lodge snapped. Minus ten house points for Hufflepuff, over and out. Over and out, Lauren said bitterly. She put down the microphone and kicked out at the side of the metal container. God, I really hate that man's guts. Bethany laughed a little. Not as much as he hates you for knocking him headfirst into that muddy hole with his spade. True, Lauren said, allowing herself a grin as she recalled the event that had brought her first attempt at basic training to an abrupt end. I suppose I'd better get cracking.